everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 692 with a review of Come On, Come On. I'm Christopher Stacey. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we, we, we're talking about a film we actually made it to a theater to see. Ta-da! Yeah. We did it again. Um... This is the theater that is in... It's it's starting to get wider and wider release. Was it always wide? Or I think did, so. I, I think it's been a slow rollout, but I'm okay. not sure. Because I saw... A, I, I did the typical search for the movie uh, like an hour ago so I could open up the IMDb page for it. So I remember walking Phoenix's name, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> and when I searched, a bunch of articles from this weekend came out. So there must be some locations that this came out this last weekend because people are writing articles about it gotcha um but yeah i think i think it's one that we both saw probably just the poster for and we're like yeah i'm gonna watch this movie (laughs) well this was also a movie that alamo was showing the trailer before every single movie i saw so it was like the one the one way i knew this movie existed was going downstairs to see a movie at alamo it didn't matter if it was titan or the last duel or i I don't even remember what else, but every movie then Come On, Come On was there. And then there was a little bit of buzz. So I, you know, everyone was saying that they were excited because it was a Mike Mills film. I don't really have a relationship with him as a director, even though I'm pretty sure I've seen all of his movies. I think I saw Beginners and I definitely saw 20th Century Women and liked it. But I didn't, it didn't mean anything to me when people said, oh, there's a new Mike Mills movie. You know what that means. Um, But there was enough buzz and then Alamo hitting me over the head with it. Yeah, I think that the only time I saw a trailer for it was probably before uh, The Last Duel. Um, that, mm-hmm. that is one of the things I actually generally like about uh, uh, going to an Alamo place is they're not just showing trailers for things that are coming out in the future. It's like the programming they are doing. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. like it, it's genuinely like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come back here and see this film, um, which is nice. But yeah, uh, I took up a lot of Stephen's time talking about crazy theories about the power of the dog. Um, so, Stephen, what if I just uh, put you out of your misery and just let us jump into this review? Wait, are you going to put me out of my misery like a... <laughs> power like of the dog a, style? Exactly. <laughs> you going to dog me, bro? <laughs> uh, I would never do that to you, Stephen. But what I am going to do is play the trailer for Come On, Come On. And then uh, we're going to talk about this film. To visit planet Earth, you will have to be born as a human child. At first, you'll have to learn to use your new body. To move your arms and legs, you will learn to walk and run. To use your hands to make sounds and form words. There will be so much for you to learn and so much for you to feel. Sadness, joy, disappointment, and wonder. You will grow up, travel, and work. Over the years, you will try to make sense of that happy, sad, for always shifting life you are in. And when the time comes to return to your star, it may be hard to say goodbye to that strangely beautiful world. Damn this book. <laughs> 
You're crying. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're definitely crying. See, you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so that was the trailer for Come On, Come On. It is basically the story of a radio journalist who uh, his sister basically asks him to come across the country to where she lives and watch after her son while she is, you know, dealing with the stuff that she has to deal with. And it's basically about this radio journalist uh, interacting with this child who is not his. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just the, the, the period of time he spends watching this child. Stephen Miller, what did you think of Come On, Come On? Um, I love this movie so much in a way that there is not a ton to say about it because this movie is all a vibe. This movie is a feeling. It is black and white photography. Basically, I know it's cinematography, but it feels like photography. Um, <laughs> I was about to say literally, but then I didn't. I didn't know you weren't speaking metaphorically. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> Literally, like it, it is a gorgeous, basically black and white photographs of cities and people and the way people live set to shameless, like a, a plot that allows for shameless voiceover narration whenever it wants it for whatever reason with lovely jazz inspired music. And it is it hits all the beats I love in things. It's people taking care of people, people meeting other people where they're at. That is like the whole thing of the movie. Let's listen to each other. Let's care for each other and need. I'm going to care for my nephew. Um, I am going to be a person in need of care. Uh, my sister is going to care for her ex. It's just like people caring for people. My friends are going to be recruited to be a part of this caring thing. It's just, I just loved I, I I love the like warmth of this movie and I think it pulls off a couple magic tricks. One, it makes Joaquin Phoenix be believable as a person. <laughs> um <laughs> what? N- like not an over the top character, but like oh, a gotcha. a very like genuine human grounded person. Yeah, yeah. He is still fragile. He is still, you know th- I don't know what it would feel like to have Joaquin play like just a confident boss in like a legal thriller or something like that but in terms of like grounded (laughs) characters this is like a a heartfelt kind of loving warm if emotionally stunted and slightly confused guy and i think he he nails it there is so much like warmth that is brought to this role um i think casting him alongside a child and having him have to relate on a child's level is like perfect for the kind of actor that joaquin is and it's kind of the perfect little trick to turn his normally kind of manic energy into something that we feel very deeply about like (laughs) he he, he gets to be the audience surrogate for every other movie he's ever been in (laughs) in this one character yeah yeah, it, it, exactly. And it, he pulls it off beautifully. I've, you know, he made me tear up multiple times in this movie. I think there's just the the slow building of um, companionship, uh, his comfort in the role of guardian, him as this kind of, by nature, inquisitive person. You know, he records NPR style things and he is always <laughs> questioning the world. And here he is treating the kid as another question of like, how do we relate to each other how do i do a good job in this role what happened to my relationship with my sister what what do i do with him um the second magic trick is the fucking kid woody norman this actor 
is such a great child actor. I've seen some people make negative comments about him, and I will not stand for it. This is what? a fantastic. Show me where they are. <laughs> I I saw some film Twitter people um, hinting that they found him grating. I think he is wonderful, and he's a wonderful capital A actor because I don't know if you've ever heard this kid speak. I don't know if you've Googled him at all. I have not. Uh, the kid is fucking British. This <laughs> is a full-on character in an accent that is not his own. <laughs> Wait, is, um, the, is the British version of him an orphan? <laughs> The kid is like a mini Timothy Chalamet, and he is so believable here that I 100% thought this was like Mike Mills' son that he just got to do the movie so it could be the most realistic child in the world. He's, he's got the um, hair for it. Maybe they can yeah, use yeah, him like, in flashbacks in the next Dune. <laughs> yeah, like like I thought, I thought the director was pulling a Judd Apatow and just being like, all right, the only kids that I can possibly make, you know do a movie with me are my own and this is how it's going to be a very natural reaction but no kid is just acting he's just a little kid who is acting his heart out and he is such a believable i think he's supposed to be 12 or 11 in the movie um he is such a believable kid of that age he has like his imagination runs wild he plays games he kind of messes with adults but then at the same time, he is a kid. He breaks down. He has temper tantrums. He does all the things. He swings so wildly in such a believable way. And I I have to believe this movie was filmed chronologically because the way that Joaquin Phoenix and Woody Norman slowly open up to each other and seem more comfortable, yeah. if that was shot out of order, they are so amazing at continuity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because it's just so well done. Um, and Gabby Hoffman as like the sister, uh, the kid's mom. I think she is wonderful, even though she's basically being forced to like act with a phone most of the time yeah. in the movie. It, it's just this. I made a prediction last week that I feel like you had to love this movie because this is doing the Swiss Army Man thing of this. And and it's doing it in both directions. This is doing the Swiss Army Man thing of explaining the world how life works to someone who is seeing it as if from outer space. This movie does it a few ways. There is the literal book that is being read in the trailer that already lets you know that that is kind of what you're, what you are getting is like, here is life. Let's show it. Uh, the way the filmmaking is done just seems like it is in wonder at the world as is. Uh, we get to see Joaquin Phoenix teach this kid about the world and answer hard questions about things. Like there are some really emotional moments later in the movie. Um, and then we also, I know this is the biggest cliche in the world. We get to see the kid teach Joaquin Phoenix about what it means to be a person. What does it mean <laughs> to be a provider? What does it mean to connect to other people? Um, and I am a real big sucker for that stuff. And I feel like you are an even bigger sucker for that stuff than I am. Um, <laughs> so I will stop my monologue here and just say, I love this movie. I'm not going to say it's doing a lot. It is a simple cheat code of a movie. And that cheat code works amazingly well. And I don't think I would change any of it. I was just very, very moved the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, so Steven is correct. I also love this film. This film should not work. Everything is just an idea. And it feels like like you talk about this film doing a magic trick and feeling like a cheat. And it 100% feels like a cheat. Like, you shouldn't be able to 
ask random kids to just talk about the universe while you're making this other film about people trying to learn what it's like to be a child and an adult and then just intercut them completely unrelated questions that don't line up at all but somehow it fits perfectly and then every night the kid wants to read a book and you just pick a book at random and that book talks about themes of like childhood <laughs> and like, oh yeah it's 100 percent mike mills just like having <laughs> written pieces pieces of writing that he loves and wanted to find a way to bring in the movie <laughs> yeah this is like a turducken of feelings yeah and it doesn't make sense you should never do it but the one time you're like you know this is kind of good <laughs> I had to try it. It all happened to work. It all blended together. And I'm happy that somebody created this monstrosity. Um, for some reason, this just works amazingly. And, you know, it's funny, like, <clears throat> you know, Joaquin Phoenix is playing this radio journalist who goes around interviewing children um, about their thoughts on the world, the current state of the world they live in, if they're hopeful for the future. Um, and, you know, like part of me in my head goes like, you know, we do a podcast we do not live to tape that podcast. Like mm -hmm. Joaquin Phoenix is not a person who edits or fixes audio in any way. He just records it and then listens back to it. <laughs> and that's the extent of his radio journalism, right? Like it seems like there's no change to anything he ever records. But also mm -hmm. I'm like, man, I want to listen to this fucking radio program. <laughs> like yeah. I really, so much so we had a conversation. Uh, the credits of this film include some of this radio program and assholes in my theater talked about their feelings of the film while it was going on. And I wanted to run over and yell at them and go like, hey, the film's still going. Fuck your feelings. I'm <laughs> yeah. watching. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you g go, g go? <laughs> I don't know what the opposite of come on is. <laughs> um, s s step off. S step off. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed this film a lot. And it's funny, too, because like there is... <sighs> the film starts with some context that you need to understand the relationship of these two siblings. And that context slowly starts to build outwards from a person's state of mind to other people who are unrelated, their state of mind and sort of how you choose to deal with uh, things that stand in your way at points in your life based on having dealt with them in the past and how that might change your willingness to work with somebody, something and how two people can experience one event from two different vantage points and understand the significance of those different ways, have different emotions about it, feel estranged from each other because of their different reactions to it. And you're kind of watching a story where you are slowly getting backstory that ripples out for you to understand who these characters are all the while spending like genuine joyous time of watching walk it walking phoenix and uh woody norman like playing with each other and just experiencing new york like part of me too was like the first time i went to new york was with steven for mm. this podcast essentially yeah and, and you scared me so much that moment when <laughs> i looked away for two seconds and you were gone <laughs> well steven next time buy me the fucking soundy toothbrush <laughs> Um, but in all seriousness, like New York is like a, like, it is a very specific type of city. It is an awesome city, but it's a lot to take in. Like, like as soon as he was like, well, I could just like take you to New York. I was like, no, you can't, you can't just fucking take a little kid to New York. Like, first of all, I don't know how that works with a TSA, <laughs> but also like just the idea of you going like, yeah, 
you'll just like follow me through the streets and uh i'll do my work and you just like hang out i was like this, this i don't know where this is going but this just seems like a lot that you're dragging this kid into and like the kid like as soon as the kid loved it i was like man yeah new york is pretty cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got i was so happy the moment the moment he suggested taking the kid to New York and I realized like, oh, this movie isn't just like black and white L.A. This movie is going to New York City. I just got giddy. I was just like, yes, I'm going to get at least an hour of this vibe in New York. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. In. No, yeah, I, I, I don't know how this film works, but it works amazingly. And on top of it, like I was, I was joking a little bit earlier about how like it's all of these separate thoughts that are just layered together. And it shouldn't work, but it does. Not only does it, but the thing that it's doing the whole time, which you don't really think about because it's a bunch of intercut things that are technically unrelated, but thematically related. The fruition of what becomes of these completely unconnected uh, moments of candid audio, like that's the part that really hit me with like the actual where it goes and like what it becomes and like sort of what it means like because obviously it, it it's you know it's a it's a thing it's like a it's a kitschy thing to be like let me just talk to myself about like how the day like it's like okay yeah, yeah the like i don't sit at home and talk to myself in this microphone when i'm not podcasting right so it feels like a very filmic thing where no, you're just I, like i do it all the time i'm <laughs> i'm full carry from sex and city i just every night Steven, you don't even take our meetings with this microphone. <laughs> I would be That's shocked true. to find you just alone in your apartment. You're like, so today, Chris made me talk about Power of the Dog for way longer than I wanted to. He has theories that are just, I mean, I think Chris <laughs> is a sociopath. <laughs> like, what What? What did he mean? When he, see, I don't want to spoil Power of the Dog, so yeah, I'm not no, going to continue trying. this joke. <laughs> um... But yeah, so so it's like it, you're just watching this thing and you're like, this feels so it's so filmy person doing a filmy thing. Like it just feels like like a thing. Right. But then it's like the payoff of all of that just like made me tear up. And I was like, man, duh. And also, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's be And it is. I can only imagine having looked up nothing about this, that Mike Mills is a father and perhaps he was not a father or hadn't been a father of like a child who had was old enough to be living life with this way when he made his last movie. Cause this feels very much like a, I'm a father of a child. What am I giving to them? What does it mean? What do these moments together mean? How can I capture something of value from it? And I think there is also a bit of um, first reformed sort of in this of like, what does it mean to be giving this future to a child, knowing all these horrible things that we are living through right now? Yeah. Um, and both of those worked so well for me. And both of them, the way this movie wraps that all in a bow at the end was just like, chef's kiss like just perfect again i don't want to say easy because i've never made a movie i'm sure it's not easy i'm sure getting the volumes all like dialed this perfectly to make it work is very difficult but it 
it feels like a cheat because it feels like this is just hitting all of the emotional beats tying them together as loosely as possible and trusting that it will work its magic on you but it were it just works so goddamn much yep. this is like the opposite of the power of the dog in terms of movies that i think are great um the power of the dog i think is like finely crafted and tuned to be like every shot is meaningful and everything is building towards this whole thing and this movie is just like vibe after vibe after vibe and it gets me in my heart place um <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love that shit. It, it is funny, too, that it, it really is a testament to the power of audio, um, which I know sounds stupid coming from people who are actively recording audio um, at the moment. <laughs> but like you talked about, like, I haven't made a film, right? Like, but if you think about like one of the things that I've always wanted to do is to like fully document a any trip, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like the trip to Iowa, right? If we would have been like yeah. filming that entire time and then could turn that into like a short film about that trip, that would be amazing. The problem is we were three people and we'd have to all be filming each other. And it would, it would change the dynamic of what we were doing because we would also be documenting the thing that we're doing. And it would, it would, it would cease to be that experience because we would be changing it by active, you know, it's the whole thing about, you know, like as you observe things, you change it. Um, But when you just recount it, like, it goes back to the film Reminiscence, right? Which is not a film that we're going to return to much. As all things do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah that, that's a film that, you know, you know, dislike it or hate it. It's not the great. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's not the, the greatest whole spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but it was doing a lot of uh, really interesting things. And one of the things that I, I still constantly think about, and especially now in this moment with the context of this film, is the idea of powering reminiscence through audio, right? Like, um, like th- this is not new technology. It's basically a diary. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea of like, yes, we would fundamentally change the trip if we tried to document that trip. But if we were just occasionally taking quick audio like recounting of what we did and sort of allowing you to remember those moments and then play those back later, it, you do experience that, that moment again. And it is something that you can go again. And then like, even though I have this dream of like one day taking a trip and fully documenting and turning it into a thing that I can watch later, footage is not free. With respect to file size, audio is essentially free, right? Like, mm-hmm. like we've been doing this podcast for like 15 years and like I have... Dry- I've never turned off my mic. <laughs> <laughs> We're just constantly recording the whole time. No, but like I, I have I have drives that have the original... Like, so when I, this is all sausage making, blah, 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 blah. But like before I start an episode, I throw all the raw source file into a folder called backup and then i process all that audio and in case i fuck something up or something happens and i delete something i have the original untouched stuff so like you know if i bumped a slider or something and i'm like oh holy shit why does like christopher sound like shit in this episode i'm uh, i can go back to the original source do it re-export it and upload that episode these episodes are like really big (laughs) compared to what you're listening to like the actual raw source especially when duplicated are huge but that's still so much smaller than what it would take to put a bunch of video like it's it's this is really something that you could do of just documenting a trip in this diary style 
or just conversations about moments. And I mean, it's, 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 it feels so stupid because we do this podcast. That's literally what we do all the time. But is, there, there is something... No, but it, it's different when it's like in the world and you are trying to capture a, a moment in time as opposed to just... I, I don't know. I think it's yeah. different. But it, but it really is a thing that I'm like... In my head, I'm thinking about... Like, if I were to have a child like actually recording stuff to this child that they could like a podcast, temporal podcast, all fucking podcasts are temporal. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean though? Right? Like, like the, the, there are things that a child will not remember at all. Um, until something triggers it. Like I, I, one of, one of my sisters was very, very young. We got a blanket and I was like, is that my blanket from when I was a kid? And like, I was, I was two, like when I had that blanket uh, it was like one of those blankets that has like a mirror and a little spinner thing. And it's like, I, I, in my, when I saw it, I remembered it. We don't have mm-hmm. pictures of it. I just remembered it, right? It was seeing the blanket that triggered this memory. But if you could like sense memory, trigger these reminiscences by going back and listening to dialogue about these moments in time, which you will forget unless you remember it for a specific reason. There's just something really, really interesting about what that's doing. And like, not only is this film incredibly interesting, but the idea of just the, the, the sheer fact of what the film is outside of the story and the acting and everything, the idea of the film is fucking interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it works on, and maybe that's, that's a specific thing to people who do what we do right now. But it's it, for some reason it, that, that also hit me from a different side. That was just really, really compelling to me. Yeah. I, I definitely, was hit hard by the same feeling. Um, there's a particular line that I don't think it'll be a spoiler when I don't give any context. Um, but the phrase I'll remind you of everything, like just like moved me so much in this movie. Um, and I just think it's a beautiful sentiment because I think the movie is any movie about a kid is going to be full of cliches if I try to describe it. Uh, but it's a movie about how, like, you you forget what it was like to be innocent, you know? And I think a lot of adulthood, especially for a character like Joaquin Phoenix's, who is kind of emotionally fragile and dealing with things, and it it isn't a coincidence that the other adult male that we kind of see glimpses of in this movie is also dealing with kind of more more extreme versions of not fitting in or not, not understanding where he is. Um, there's this problem with adulthood, which is that you lose that innocence and you are kind of striving to get back to it somehow. And I think there's just something really beautiful about like the cyclical nature of you raise a kid or you spend time with a kid and they remind you of what it means to be innocent, what it means to be imaginative. And then your job can be to like capture those moments so you can remind them. Like, I I don't know. I I just thought there was something really beautiful and it felt like a very COVID movie to me in the sense of just wanting to like revert or go back (laughs) to simpler times. Yeah. And it just, uh, yeah, definitely got misty in the theaters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> cool uh any last thoughts about this film steven i don't know i i don't think it needs more thoughts i just think it is a beautiful little 
audio visual diary. Um, and I, I love it for that. Yeah. Uh, well, I think everybody knows where this is going, uh, but Stephen Miller, we have to officially give verdicts for this uh, episode here. So if you were going to say must see record of the caveat, wait for rental pass of the caveat or a must avoid, what would you give it? Easy must see. This is like straight, like directly at the center of what I like about movies. <laughs> um, yeah. Must see. Yeah. It's a must see for me as well. It's sort of the like thinky emotional version of like an action film, action film where like, you can really only talk about it with somebody else who saw it. And then you can be like, Oh yeah. And then the one time when they did this and then the one time when they did this and it's like, you, you like in an odd way, you relive the moments that those characters would want to relive. <laughs> like, so it's like you, it, it, it's just an experiential film that you kind of have to see. And I can't imagine this not working for anybody watching it. Um, but I can't imagine you walking out being completely happy and not having words to explain why you feel the way you feel. Just being like, yeah, I think that film did something to me. <laughs> yeah. In a good way. I, I will also say it is very, very, very quiet movie. So if you see it in theaters or at home, like be in a situation oh. where you can handle quiet because it, it would be very disruptive if you are watching it with someone who wasn't paying attention or with your phone next to you, or let's say in a loud theater with whatever, there's a lot of ways I think the magic of this movie might be broken. So try to protect that. Yeah. I, I also like, you're reminding me now it's, it's a thing I wanted to talk about, but I forgot to, um, we've talked over the course of COVID about certain films that are almost ideally presented in a way that makes listening in headphones interesting. Yeah. I, I would say that watching this film in headphones is almost as thematically resonant as watching Sound of Metal in headphones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but more metaphorical, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I would believe that, even though I haven't gotten a chance to watch it in headphones yet. But I yeah. do think uh, it would be. I, I am very, very curious what the sound design is like, because I have only had the theatrical experience. And, and I don't know if, like... You know, whether it is mixed as a real movie or if it's mixed as a series of mono channels um, mm. that are like like you like you hear the environment in the surround mix. But the actual mic, whatever it's pointing at, is like something that is ever present. I, I don't know. I, I'm just very curious what it does. And I'll be stoked if uh, if there's like a, a really cool, interesting uh, audio mix for this. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our review of Come On, Come On. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Come On, Come On, so hopefully you are enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Um, we will be back in the future soon, hopefully with something else. <laughs> All right. Yep. Bye.